0: Good evening, everyone. It's nice to see the weather uh, actually turned in our favor today. It's a shame it was probably a little wet this morning, though. Um, So this evening, I wanted to talk to you uh, about the topic of unanswered prayers. So I've been thinking of this sermon uh, for a while, but other things kept popping up, and so uh, I would do a a lesson on that topic. And in each week of our Bible study, though, examples keep coming to mind of things that have happened in my life that later became uh, fork-in-the-road type moments which I didn't fully appreciate at the time. Uh, as I've gotten older, I've also tended to take a different perspective on things that have happened in my life. Uh, for those of you that may not know, uh, my father passed away after a long illness when I was 14 years old. Uh, as you can imagine, this was a trying time to say the least. I had a lot of anger as a teenager, hadn't grown up regularly attending church, and at that point pretty much wrote off God entirely. After all, I had prayed more than I ever had in my entire life for my dad to not be taken from me, and God didn't grant me that wish. Throughout college, I began to study the Bible more, and this topic always came back in my mind. How could I reconcile what I was hearing in the Bible of a loving God with what my family had gone through? Although I never got my head around it, I felt like God kept circling back to me. I'll come back to this thought towards the end of the lesson this evening. For those of you that also may not know, I'm a country music fan, and Garth Brooks has a song on this topic called Unanswered Prayers. Uh, The basic premise of the song is that a man and his wife attend a local high school football game when he runs into his old high school sweetheart. Uh, This, of course, brings back a rush of memories. He reflects back on all of the nights that he'd spent praying for God to make her his, promised that he'd never ask for anything again, and so on. I'm sure anyone in this room that has had a high school or college sweetheart can appreciate this example. As usually happens, though, or over a period of time, they had drifted apart and eventually had broken up. As he's standing there introducing his now wife to his then high school girlfriend, he reflects back on his life and the unanswered prayers that he had prayed those many years ago. His lyrics are pertinent to the discussion this evening. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers, remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, that just because he may not answer doesn't mean he don't care because some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. The song continues and ends with the following verse as he's standing there with his wife as his high school sweetheart walks away. And as she walked away, I looked at my wife and there and then I thanked the good Lord for the gifts in my life. Have you ever had something on your mind, but when you pray and pray over it, nothing ever comes from it? That can be frustrating. We pray in earnest, but for the life of us, we can't understand why God is not answering our prayers. Someone says, I've been praying for my husband to stop gambling, and he hasn't stopped. I've been praying for a job, but I can't find one. I've been praying for guidance, but no guidance has come. On and on the prayers go. When it comes to to God's answering our prayers, it often seems that if we do not hear the answer we want to hear, we conclude that it was no answer at all. An unanswered prayer may in many ways though be an answer in and of itself, and maybe the answer we most needed even if we didn't appreciate it at the time. God may respond in different ways to prayer requests. I'm going to discuss four possible scenarios this evening, each with the caveat that at the end of the day it's God's will, not ours. One, if the request is wrong, God may not answer it. Two, if the timing is wrong, God may say go slow or wait. If you are wrong, or if something is amiss in your life, God may say, you need to grow. And if the request and timing are right, God may grant it. I say may with each of these statements to be consistent with my statement above. Ultimately, it is his will that we are told to obey, not our own. Even Jesus, when facing the most difficult challenge of his life, the cross, said in his prayer, not my will, but thy will be done. Number one, if the request is wrong, God may not answer it. Many prayers can be selfish in nature. James 4.3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. James is saying that our prayers are often not answered because they are asked incorrectly. They are prompted by our personal ambition. The disciples were not immune to falling into this trap either. In Matthew 10.35-40, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, teacher, We want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And similarly, in Luke nine, now when it now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said. Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned to rebuke them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are are of. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. In both examples, the disciples ask for things of Jesus that are unreasonable and against his plan. If the disciples are capable of making improper requests and Jesus tells them no, Why should we think that we will get whatever we ask for, no matter how unreasonable? But there is also a larger message in both passages. In Matthew, Jesus says that they cannot sit at his right and left hand because it is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. Similarly in Luke, he will not command fire to come down on the village because the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. In both cases, Jesus isn't responding so much to the individual request as much as he is explaining the denial in the context of it not fitting within his larger plan for humanity. While it is often difficult to think in these terms, we should always be mindful that just because we may not understand doesn't mean there isn't a purpose. Even Paul was denied his request of the Lord. In 2 Corinthians, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God loves us too much to say yes to requests that aren't in our interest or aren't part of his plan. God may answer the prayer, but that answer may be no, and we wouldn't want God to do anything less. Two, if the timing is wrong, God may say, Go slow or wait. Parents, have you noticed that in raising children, that second only to the word no, the words not yet or wait a minute, rank as the most awful words in the English language to little children. I can't tell you how many days a simple request to Harvey or Annabelle to wait a minute turns into a meltdown. We'd be rich beyond our dreams if Reagan was paid a dollar every time she said, you need to be patient. Children hate to be told they need to wait. And the child in all of us still wants God to meet every need, to rent every request, to move every mountain. When? Now. Maybe yesterday, actually. And when God deems it best to say very caringly to his children, not yet, what is our mature adult response? But God, I want it right now, right now. You don't understand how badly I need this right now. Not three years from now, not three months from now, not three weeks from now, not three days from now. God, I want it now, now, now. We're in instant gratification culture, and this plays into the way many of us also interact um, with God through prayer. It is essential for us to understand that often God isn't saying no, he is merely saying, not quite yet, trust me, I know what I'm doing, I have my reasons. God says in Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We need to be careful in insisting that we know better than God just when a prayer request should be granted. God has his reasons for his not yet. Among them are such concerns as needing us to develop some character, some endurance, some trust, some patience, or some submission while God is orchestrating the timing of the answer to our prayers. As human beings, we tend to be much more concerned about comfort and convenience than we are about building character through patiently waiting on and trusting in God's timing. God, however, is a whole lot more concerned about character and our eternal salvation than he is about instant gratification and personal convenience. Three: If you are wrong or something is amiss in your life, God may say, you need to grow." Psalm 66:18 says, "If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. If we are living a life of sin and disobedience to God, He may not answer our prayers because we need time to come back to Him, grow in our faith, and come to Him with better intentions. John 9:31 tells us, "Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, He hears Him. When we're wrong, God says, come on, grow, put that sin away, change your attitude on this or that, stop that practice, end that pattern, reconcile that relationship, repent, receive forgiveness, grow. God gives us that chance. He wants us to build that relationship with him, to repent and to send our prayers his way. In Matthew 2.17, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners, to repentance. James 5.16 says that the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. As the psalm noted earlier, if you regard iniquity in your heart, if you are leading an unjust life, your prayers may not be heard, and it is up to us to meet God where he is and on his terms. Four, if the request and timing are right, God may grant it. I doubt any of us know how badly God wants to change that impossible circumstance in our lives. And all of us underestimate how badly he wants to move those mountains that stand in our paths. If the request is wrong, God may say no. If the timing is wrong, he may say slow down or wait. If something is wrong in your life, he may say grow. But when all of those are lined up as it fits into the plans that he has for you and for this world, you'll be amazed at how often God will say, let's go. I'd like to share a couple of verses from Proverbs 3, 5 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. When it doesn't seem like God has answered your prayers, you can react negatively, or you can follow the example of King David. Due to David's sin of killing Uriah the Hittite so that he could marry Bathsheba, God caused his infant son with Bathsheba to fall ill and die. But what was David's reaction? From 2 Samuel, it says that then David got up from the floor, washed himself, put lotions on, and changed his clothes. Then he went into the Lord's house to worship. He trusted in the Lord despite what had happened, despite the fact that the Lord had not answered his prayers to save his son. I don't know why my prayers about my father weren't granted, but I do know that my father's passing fundamentally changed me. I grew up faster than I would have, became more responsible and my views on the fleeting nature of life changed dramatically. I believe that I'm a different person than I would have been. Not necessarily better, just different. And Reagan fell in love with that different person, led that different person to a relationship with God, and produced a beautiful home and a loving family with that different person. And having gone through my experience with my own father, I'm cognizant of each interaction that I have with my own children and how important each day can be with them. Maybe that's me looking for a silver lining and trying to rationalize things. Maybe. We don't know the reason things do or don't happen, why certain prayers are granted and others are not, and probably never will. But we do know that Jesus loves us, that he died for us, and that he continues to seek out that special relationship with us. All we have to do is follow him. If there's any way that we can help you this evening, won't you let us know while together we stand and we sing?